Let's uh, take our Bibles tonight. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter number 8. Acts chapter 8 this evening. <clears throat> On Wednesday nights, uh, we've been kind of uh, just looking at some biblical truths in regard to our witness, our responsibility to be telling others about Christ. And uh, last week, we, we spent a bit of time just dealing with that, that idea of reaching those who God has put in our lives, people that we know, uh, contacts that we have, family, friends, uh, neighbors, uh, things of that nature, and using our testimony uh, to, to try and reach them and telling them of what Christ has done for us. And tonight we're in the book of Acts chapter 8. If you're able to stand as we read, I'd invite you to do that. If you're not able to, you're more than welcome to remain seated. Acts chapter 8, we're going to begin reading in verse number 26. It says here, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, <clears throat> Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority, under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning... And sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went bo down both into the water, uh, both Philip and the eunuch, and, ba and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. You can be seated. Thank you for standing as we read that. Now this is a, an interesting account of, of a situation uh, where the Lord directed Philip who the Bible later identifies as Philip the Evangelist, he directed him to a certain individual. This would be what we would call a divine appointment, where God was leading and directing Philip to one man who God knew was seeking truth. What's interesting to me about this is that Philip, uh, we really begin to read of him as one of the uh, one of the men that really became one of the deacons at the church in Jerusalem back in chapter 6. He was selected uh, uh, to, to, to uh, kind of deal with that issue that had arisen in the church there, of that murmuring that was going on between the, the Grecians and the Hebrews. And he was selected as one of those seven men 
of honest report and full of the Holy Ghost and all of that. This was that Philip. Well, then, because of the uh, persecution that came about, because of, uh, uh, because of St- Stephen, Saul there, Saul of Tarsus, had, uh, had launched an assault on the church at Jerusalem, and the result of that was that the church scattered. The Bible said that they, that they went everywhere preaching the word. And so Philip now, one of these men who's been serving the Lord in Jerusalem, has come to the city of Samaria. And there in Samaria, as he begins to preach the gospel, uh, multitudes of people begin to get saved and baptized, and a church begins to form in that place. And we could say it from a human perspective like this. Philip was having great success in Samaria. And now the Lord said, as we read in verse number 26, the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Now the Lord is moving him on. And we understand, we have the benefit of hindsight to be able to look back and see what the Lord was doing and and why that mattered. But Philip didn't have that. Philip didn't know what he was doing. He just knew that the Lord was prompting him to go. And so he went. And along the way, he encounters this man that the Bible describes as a eunuch of Ethiopia. He was a man who had been dedicated for a specific purpose and cause. He was a man of great authority. He was a man who was in charge of all of the treasure of the queen of Ethiopia. And he finds this man in a time of his seeking. I want you to know that it it may be that there is someone that God wants to lead you to in your life who is seeking truth, who you would not otherwise know or encounter, or maybe it is someone you know, but someone that you are not aware that they are seeking, and yet the Lord has been preparing them to receive him. The first aspect of this passage of scripture that I want to point out to you is the seeking sinner. Because we find in verse number 27, and he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. We, we find that this is a man who, before he ever encountered Philip, was seeking truth. He was looking for answers to questions that he had and answers that he had not yet found. He had taken a long journey from Ethiopia to Jerusalem because somehow, some way, I don't know what the history was there, but there was some knowledge that the people in Jerusalem seemed to know some things about God that I don't know And I'm going to go and learn about this God. He came to Jerusalem to worship. The fact that he came to to Jerusalem and took this long journey indicates that there was intention there. There was a, a, a purpose in his heart to seek the Lord. I, I think it's important for us to recognize that when someone takes that first step of interest, showing interest that that's a pretty good indication that they may be open to truth. This is one reason that I believe that we really need to focus as a church on especially trying to reach out to people that make it a point to come and visit our services here. You know, it's not, a, it's not an easy thing, it's not a comfortable thing to walk into a church that you've never been to before. 
And especially if you're someone who isn't really a church-going person or maybe you've never been to a Baptist church and, 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 and to take the time and the effort to come out of your shell and, 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 and maybe breach that line of comfort and say, I'm going to go here because I'm interested in what God might be doing in that place. Those are people who have already shown initiative in seeking truth. I've been convicted at times that we put a lot of effort and intention into going out into the community, trying to be a witness, inviting people to come to church. And then when visitors do come, oftentimes they're not welcomed when they, do, when they walk through the doors. They don't feel like, uh, like, like people are recognizing that they're there. They're not showing that they're friendly. Now, I don't think that's a major problem in our church. I've heard from several that people uh, are friendly and smile and welcoming. I'm thankful for that. I think we could grow in that area. But sadly, sometimes a visitor will come in, and they'll come and sit down and sit through a service and then leave, and we either don't get their contact information to be able to follow up with them, or even if we do get that, sometimes that falls through the cracks and we don't follow up with them. And, and I'm not trying to be critical. But I'm putting this on myself. I told you I've been convicted about this. I, I'm just saying, you know, it, it's one thing to go out and try and, and, and cold call on people. But once they've already come through the doors, they've already shown some initiative. Those are people that we ought to look at and say, you know, there's great opportunity here. This man had come to Jerusalem to worship. And he was continuing to seek truth. Now, I, I want to say at the outset here that uh, the meeting of the church, I, I, I want to just clarify this. The meeting of the church is not primarily an evangelistic event. Uh, I'm not a proponent of let's go out and just invite a bunch of people to come to church with the idea that as long as they come to church, they're going to hear the gospel and be saved. Jesus didn't say, go and ask them to come to your church meetings. He said, go and tell, go and preach the gospel. And that's our responsibility. Most of the time when we are gathered together in church, this, is th this right here, what is happening here, is not primarily uh, to appeal to the lost, to try and simply reach the lost. This, this event, this exercise, is in order to build us up, encourage us, and, and, and teach us, and help us to be able, equip us, to be able to go out into the world and reach the lost. And so I'm not just saying, hey, let's get them through the doors of the church. But what I am saying is that there are times, and even biblically we see that there are times that lost people will come into the assembly and if God allows that or God leads people in that way, we ought to be working on trying to reach them. Let's hold our place here in Acts chapter 8 and let's go over to the book of 1 Corinthians. And chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. This chapter deals with uh, <clears throat> order within the church and within church services. And, and it really deals a lot with speaking in tongues and, and different things of that nature. But there's something that Paul says in this chapter that I think ought to give us some insight. Notice verse number 23 of 1 Corinthians 14. It says, if therefore... The whole church be come together into one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned, 
or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? But if all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all, and thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. Now the idea here, again, understand, it starts off, verse 23, the whole church has come together into one place. This, this, this is an assembly of the church, saved, baptized believers. But he says, if, if an unbeliever comes in among you, if someone who's not, in other words, even in the first century, this apparently was a fairly common thing, that as the church would meet together, maybe someone it just kind of caught wind. Something is going on there. I'm interested in what's happening. And he says, if they come in and everybody's just speaking in tongues, it's going to seem strange to them. It's going to be odd. And they're just going to kind of walk out and think, well, this isn't for me. But if all prophesy, or if there's, essentially, if there's preaching, if there's declaration of truth, then those people are going to hear the truth and God's going to be able to deal with them and ultimately they're going to come to Christ. They're going to fall, fall on their face and worship God. And, 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 and so the, the idea is you need to be considerate that unbelievers may come in among you. And when they do, you should be concerned about their soul. Can I ask you this? When was the last time that someone walked through the doors of this church that you didn't know, and immediately your thought was, they may be a lost soul that needs to know Christ. And I want to try and help facilitate that. I just want to encourage you. Again, I'm not just saying let's, let's focus all on making the church service an evangelistic event. But what I am saying is, as we assemble together for the edification of the believer, for the building up and the equipping of the saints, as we do that, if the Lord provides someone who comes in showing interest in the things of God, the fact that they'd walk through the doors of this church shows that they have some degree of interest, we ought to consider that and even try to accommodate them and try and help them come to Christ. And that might mean... Helping them find a seat. Offering to sit with them or inviting them to come and sit with you. Uh, uh, trying to be there for them in case they have some questions. And then, like I said earlier, following up with them because this is someone who may already be seeking truth. Now, I understand that a lot of times someone who comes and visits is already a believer. They already know Christ. And that's absolutely fine. But I'm just saying, when someone has... This guy in Acts chapter 8 made the effort to come all the way to Jerusalem to worship, and it was because he was seeking truth. So we need to be sensitive to that and, and recognize that that might be the case. Now, he has come to Jerusalem, as we go back to Acts chapter 8, he went to Jerusalem to worship, but apparently the itch that he had didn't quite get scratched there. Because even on his way home, he's got a portion of the scriptures that he's reading. He's still searching for something. It says in verse number 28, was, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah, or Isaiah, the prophet. And so he's got a, a, a copy of the, the, the book of Isaiah, and he's just reading it. And he's gotten pretty far. Isaiah now is divided out into chapters. It's 66 chapters long. He's at chapter 53. 
So he's been reading, and he's interested, and he's wondering, what, what is this all about? He's continuing to seek truth. He's come to a place where people seem to know about God. They have the scriptures. He came there to worship. He's returning. He's reading in the scriptures. He's interested. And the Lord, who knows the hearts of all men, has appointed a preacher to come to him and to meet him on the way and someone who's going to be able to, uh, to point him to Christ. Can I ask you this? Is it possible that there is someone who tomorrow God might be leading you to them because they're seeking truth and God who knows the hearts of all men is looking down on them and saying they're looking for something and I have someone who has the answer and I want to lead them to meet up so that they can hear. That's what was happening here with Philip. There are seeking people out there. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it. In fact, if you've done much of the cold calling type of evangelism, sometimes it feels like nobody wants to hear the truth. And again, that's fine. We, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We don't only try to reach those who seem to be interested. We're to give the gospel to everybody. But sometimes it feels like, well, the world's just uninterested in this and it can discourage us from really trying to reach people. But I want you to know that all around us tonight, even in St. Clair, there are people who are looking for answers that they don't have. There are people who are wondering, what happens after I die? How can I know God? Uh, how do I get victory over this sin in my life that I just, I, I keep trying to break this habit and I can't seem to do it? How many people do we see walking down Highway 30 here and pretty well know just by looking at them, their demeanor, their mannerisms, and some things about them, we pretty quickly judge that they have some kind of an addiction problem? Many of those people would probably love to be delivered from that addiction, but they don't know how. I'm just saying, there are people out there who are seeking truth. Maybe they've faced some recent tragedy in their life or some other event has arisen that has brought questions to their mind, but we'll never know who these people are if we're not trying to go and reach them. We see this man is an example of someone who was prepared by God or, or, or was trying to seek God and God prepared a, a, a preacher to come to them, but uh, to him. But look at Acts chapter 10, just a chapter or two forward here. Acts 10, verse number 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God alway. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter, we could go on and read. I'm sure you're familiar with the story. God is preparing at the time that he is 
telling Cornelius, send men to Joppa to find Peter. He's going to tell you what to do. He's also preparing Peter and saying, hey, Peter, there's going to be some Gentiles. You just need to, you need to go with them. I know it's a little unorthodox. I know you're not used to this, but trust me, go because there is a man who is seeking me. This man was religious. He feared God. He prayed all the time, but he was still lost. By the way, you can be religious and lost. He prayed. He feared God. A lot of people think, well, I fear God, I read the Bible, I pray, I'm a Christian. This guy wasn't a Christian, he didn't yet know. And he needed someone to come to him with the gospel. And so God sent Peter to him, and by the end of the chapter, Cornelius and his household and those who are with him are going to come to Christ and be saved. He was a seeking sinner. I want you to go to Acts chapter number 16. Acts chapter 16 Look at uh, verse number 12, if you would. It says, And from thence to Philippi, which is the, the chief city of that part of Macedonia, and a colony, and we were in that city abiding certain days, and on the Sabbath day we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized in her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So here you have a woman who ends up getting saved and her whole house. But it says that it was, she had a heart that the Lord had opened, and she was found in a place where prayer was wont to be made. In other words, that people came together into that place to pray. It was, she, she was not yet saved, but she was seeking truth. She was someone who was being prepared to receive the truth. And I, I just want you to know that this is a, this is a reality. This, this was something that happened continually in the, in the first century. And it continues to happen today. There are people who are looking for truth that just need someone to come and tell them. Lydia just needed Paul to come and preach to her and tell her of Christ. And she got saved. Cornelius just needed Peter to come and give him the gospel. And he got saved. The eunuch simply needed Philip to come and give him the gospel and explain to him what these scriptures meant that he was reading and he would come to Christ. And I, I want to say to you tonight that if you want to be involved in this business of reaching the lost, which all of us are to be involved in, you ought to be praying that God would lead you to people who are seeking truth. You should wake up tomorrow morning and say, Lord, lead me across the path of someone who is looking for truth that I can lead them to Christ or I can at least plant a seed that will eventually lead them to Christ. Help me to be able to find someone who wants to hear. Now, we, we, again, we have to be telling everybody, even if they don't want to hear, we need to be telling them. But we ought to be praying, Lord, lead me to the right people. Direct my steps. Guide me in the way that I ought to go. I hope that you pray that way. I hope that you're looking for those opportunities. By the way, if you have done that before, 
I guarantee that the Lord has done that. He's answered that prayer. And most of us could testify of that, that there have been times that we've prayed that, Lord, lead me to someone that I can tell about you. And miraculously, it seems like every time, God leads us to someone who we can tell about Christ. There was a seeking sinner in this divine appointment, but let me say this also, there was a sensitive soul winner. Uh, there, there was someone who was willing and listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit to be willing to respond. And that man was Philip. Let's go back to Acts chapter 8 and notice where we read earlier in verse 26. Philip is having success in ministry in Samaria. People are being saved. A church is being formed in that place. And in verse 26, it says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Verse 27, And he arose and went. Verse number 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him. In other words, what we read here is that Philip, when God prompted him, when the Holy Spirit spoke to him, the angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, you need to get up and you need to go. And he gave him a direction. By the way, he didn't give him a destination. He didn't say, I want you to go to Gaza. He said, I want you to go toward Gaza. Sometimes the will of God isn't a destination. It's a direction. And that's what it was for, for Philip. I want you to get up and go. And Philip got up and went. He didn't hesitate. He didn't have to put out a fleece. And, and Lord, are you sure about this? Can you confirm this to me? Uh, he didn't have to pray about it. He just knew God, this is something God's telling me to do. And he, he obeyed. And I think that's significant and important because consider the timing of this whole scenario. It wasn't like this Ethiopian eunuch was sitting in his house and whenever Philip got around to going to him, uh, you know, he would be there and be ready. No, he, this, this was a, the timing of this had to be just right because he's on his, his way home. He's driving down the road in his chariot and at just the right moment, the Lord said to Philip, I want you to arise and go and he arose and went and they met on the way. And I believe that it's important if we're going to really experience the divine appointments that the Lord wants to give us, it's important for us to be in tune with the Lord to sense when He is leading us in a certain direction and to respond to that. In other words, let me say it this way, I believe that Philip could have justified staying in Samaria. It, it, it could have been easy for, for Philip to say, I, I don't think that this is really a good time. <clears throat> I have to be honest and admit there, there have been times that I have missed what I believe would have been divine appointments if I would have responded when I should have. But I used excuses to justify not following through. Let me give you an example of this. I remember one time being later than, later than I wanted to be for church. Now, I, I don't know that I've ever been late for church as a pastor, like late for the service to start. 
but I like to be at the church early. And I've got plans and ideas of when I want to be there. It just, I drive my wife crazy with this, but I mean an hour is not early enough, really, in advance. I want to be there I want to be able to wrap my mind around the service and the message and all that without being distracted. I'm always afraid, you know, Murphy's Law, right? If something can go wrong, it will go wrong. And if I'm cutting it too close to time, I'm going to get a flat tire or something like that. So I just want to be there on time. I want to be there early. And and I remember one day getting up in the morning and just kind of running late. I don't remember if the kids were maybe there, there were some things there. It was already running late to leave. I got in the car and went to leave and the gas light came on on the way to church. I thought, man, i got to stop and fill up with gas. That's going to put me behind a little bit further, but I better do it because I don't want to run out of gas on my way to church. So I stop and I'm filling up and putting gas in. I'm kind of watching, you know, the time. And there was someone that pulled up next to me. I don't even remember all of the situation, but I just remember distinctly something about this individual. I, I just felt like I really should probably try to engage them in conversation about the gospel. But I'm already late. I'm late for church. And I need to go serve the Lord. Do you hear the irony of this? I need to go serve the Lord. And so in my mind, I just don't have time for this. And... And and to my shame, I got in my car and I drove off and I went to church to try to minister to God's people. And I have no idea whatever happened to that individual. I don't remember if it was male or female. I don't remember. All I remember is that I still am convicted about this. That I missed an opportunity to serve the Lord because in my mind what I was doing was more important. And I just want to tell you, if the Holy Spirit is, is, is on you about something, listen to that. Because you just never know who it might be that the Lord might lead you to that is going to come, come to Christ. I have a pastor friend. He's considerably, considerably older than me. He's retired now. Uh, but he, here's his testimony. He, was, he lived a very wicked lifestyle leading up to his salvation. He was godless in just about every way. And one night, he was coming out of a bar, and there were two men on the other side of the street who were just walking down the street. And when they saw him come out of the bar, they crossed the street and came over to him and began talking to him about the gospel and just walking through the scriptures. And he said, it was as clear as it could possibly be to me that I was lost and on my way to hell and I believed at that moment that this was the last chance that God was going to give me to get right with him and he said right there in the middle of the street while still partially intoxicated he said I fell on my knees and cried out to God and I got saved and I'm telling you that man experienced an entire uh, an absolute life transformation beginning that night and his life became about serving the Lord and he did from that, from that time forward. He was genuinely saved in that moment because there were a couple of Christian men who just happened to recognize someone in a time of spiritual need 
and we're sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit to respond to that. And I want to ask you this, are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit and his leadership? When he says to you, hey, give that person a tract. Hey, ask that person about their soul or their relationship with God. Engage them in conversation. Are you willing to do that? Are you quick to respond or do you hesitate? There was a seeking sinner and there was a sensitive soul winner. But then I want to show you this. There was also some scriptural study. Look at verse number 30. It says, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come and sit with him. Look at verse number 34. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Now, last week I talked to you about the fact that you do not need to be a theologian in order to be a witness for Christ. If you've got a testimony of salvation, you've been born again, you can share that with someone else. And that stands. I'm not contradicting that. But I do want you to know this, that many times if we are going to help someone come to Christ... It's going to be important that we're able to take some time and explain some scriptural truths to them. Not everyone is going to be ready to get saved the moment that they hear the gospel for the first time. We live in a world where there's a whole lot of confusion. And sometimes that confusion has to be answered. Here was a man who was seeking truth, but he's reading the scriptures and through the eyes of a lost man... He, he's not able to understand these things. I mean, just the way that God set it up is that uh, a person needs someone to guide them to Christ. And we've got to be willing to be patient with people and help them to understand scriptural truths and take the time to really invest in them. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 and verse 15 that we are to be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh us a reason of the hope that is within us. If you're saved, you ought to be working on growing to where you can answer questions that people have. Because let me tell you, people have a lot of questions today. They have an awful lot of questions. False religions have created confusion about what the Bible really says. Uh, oppositions of science, falsely so-called, as the Bible would put it, has created a lot of questions in the minds of people about issues like origins and, and the age of the earth and all that. And I understand that those things aren't necessarily directly related to the gospel, but these things can be hindrances in the minds of people if they believe that, that modern science contradicts the Bible and they therefore believe that the Bible isn't reliable and accurate, then how are we going to open a Bible and say, well, this is what God says, you need to believe this, if they don't believe it's true. We've, we sometimes have to back up a little bit and help some people to understand some things, and we have to be willing to answer some questions. This is one reason that I'm really a proponent of uh, when, 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 when trying to reach people and, and trying to point them to Christ, setting up a time to meet with them and study the Bible together, doing Bible studies to point them to Christ. I'm, I'm not saying that a person can't be saved 
uh, on their doorstep as we go and, and just knock on their door and walk them through the gospel. I'm not saying that can't happen. It, it does sometimes happen. But I believe that especially the world that we live in today, not everyone has an in-depth knowledge of the word of God. Uh, they, they don't understand God's law and, and, and what Christ's death was all about and what it means to believe on him and be saved and, and all of these things. And so it can be helpful to take some time and even over the course of several meetings to, uh, to explain to them, to walk through scriptures with them and leave them with truth that they can think about and teach them the word of God. This is important. It's one reason that we're, we, we reject the concept of what many people call easy, easy believism. It's really kind of more easy prayerism. You know, pray this prayer and, and, and you'll be saved. Well, the problem is a lot of times people don't have that knowledge base that is needed. And, and we're kind of putting the cart before the horse. Before a person can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they have to know who he is. How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how can they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's our job. And so let's take the time and, and put in the time that's necessary and effort to help people understand. Now, a person doesn't have to have, uh, just like you don't have to have a, a degree in theology to be able to lead someone to Christ, they don't have to know every verse in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation in order to be saved. It's simple childlike faith, we understand that, but they do have to have a working knowledge of who God is and what sin is and why it is so serious and what, what is the implication of Christ's death and resurrection. They need to understand these things if they're truly going to believe on him and we need to have some patience and take some time because, again, people are confused and honestly, it used to be in this nation where the average person had some knowledge of the Bible and, and biblical truths, and that's just not necessarily the case anymore. You may encounter someone that, doesn't, that couldn't even really tell you who Jesus is. It's just a reality that, that, that people need to be taught the word of God. This eunuch that was looking for truth needed to be helped in his understanding. I'm thankful for that statement in verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. He was able to take right the question that he had and use that question to point him to Christ. Who's this passage about? You know, now, Philip could have said, well, no, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about a future Messiah. That Messiah is Jesus. Would you like to receive him? But he didn't. It says he began at the same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. He helped him to understand who Jesus is. And ultimately, this man ended up accepting Christ and even made that declaration in verse 37. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He came to faith in Christ because he was taught the Scriptures. And so if, what, what I want to say to you tonight, what this is all about is this. First of all, understand that there are people out there who are looking for truth. There are people out there that are looking for answers. And you have the answers, child of God. We have the answers in our hands. But we have to be willing to be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit to go to them and willing to get out of our comfort zone and try to reach them. 
But we also need to be patient and take the time to try and help them understand the scriptures. And I'd encourage you, even as you read and study the Bible for yourself, to make notes of things that are necessary and important for a person to understand in order to be saved so that you can help them and guide them to Christ. What did, what did that eunuch say? I love that statement. How can I accept some man should guide me? I, I can't understand these things unless someone helps me to understand them. And I just want to encourage you tonight to be willing to be that person to help someone understand who Jesus is and how to be saved.